Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Long gone! And we are joined now by legendary Major League Baseball umpire Joe West, who did work more games as an ump than anybody ever has. 5,460, and he's got his new podcast coming out. Named after that number of games, 5460, the Joe West podcast Joe, thanks for joining us. We're Grant Paulson and Danny Ruye. How are you? Well, I'm excited to be talking to you guys. That's neat. And I understand you're the flagship station for the Nationals up there. Is that right? That's, That's right. right. Yeah, Absolutely. So I got to yeah, tell you, we're known as umpire bashers. And I've got lots of questions, lots of comments. <laughs> I have uh, I've tweeted a lot of things about you over the years and other umpires after calls. But I think this could be a lot of fun because I've always wondered things about umpires. I have respect for how hard the job is. But I just wanted to get that out of the way first because, uh, you know, we, we're we're younger guys that are technology driven. So I think this could be a pretty fascinating conversation. Well, I think the coolest thing about my podcast is going to be that we're going to show the world that the umpires are not two-headed monsters. We're real people, and we're just trying to do the very best we can. And I, I hope that gets across to everybody because uh, uh, I, I I tell people all the time there's nobody that feels worse about a missed call than the umpire who had to make it. And uh, I was I was lucky in my career that uh, all of my controversial stuff that happened in the playoffs and stuff. Uh, I happened to get right, uh, but uh, the guys that uh, you know made a mistake and we couldn't correct it. That that's the stuff that where people die from and they just kills them. And uh, I can uh, I can give you two perfect examples. Jimmy Joyce's play with Galarraga that perfect game, and uh, Don Deckinger's play at first base, which probably those two plays started us to do instant replay for all of baseball, and uh, everybody needs to understand that umpires are human beings, too, and they're doing the very best they can, and I can I can applaud them because I think baseball umpires are the best officials in all of sport, so uh, you can you can bash us all you want on your tweets and all that stuff, but they're still <laughs> going to be heads up and doing the very best they can. Joe, one of the cool things about working as many games as you did is your vantage point and your view is better than anybody else's. You got that front row seat, you know, beyond that even. That that, you know, again, that kind of incredible view for Nolan Ryan and no hitters and Willie McCovey's home runs and things like that. I'd love for you to go through your career and think of just something where, you know, obviously you don't have to make a call or, or something like that where you go, Wow, that's pretty cool that I was on the field for that. Well yeah, and you mentioned two two landmark cases. Yeah, I was at the home plate when Willie McCovey hit his five hundredth home run. And the only reason I knew that is because I saw it on the scoreboard. <laughs> 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 and, 
And then I had first base with Nolan Ryan's fifth no-hitter. And that was it was not a pretty no-hitter because he walked a bunch of people. He was a little wild, but he was just wild enough where the Dodgers couldn't hit him. And uh, and so I was there for his fifth no-hitter, and that broke Koufax's record because he had four. And uh, so that was kind of special. And uh, I had Albert Pujols' 600th home run. I had Barry Bonds' 100th home run. And, uh, you know, I had I had Greg Maddox' first game. I had Dwight Gooden's first game. I'll never yeah. forget uh, David Johnson walked out, handed me the line of cards, and Gooden's going to be his pitcher. And he says, he says, my kid's first game, take care of him. And uh, so he handed me the line of cards, and he left. And then... Sure enough, he blew away the first three Astros hitters he faced. I walked over to Doug and I said, this kid don't need my help, David. <laughs> <laughs> now, when he says take care of him, he's saying help him out a little bit, you know, give him that ball off the no, corner or whatever. We... No, he, he, you know, but Davey, Davey and I were hard-nosed old school, you know, and, and uh, he, w- he was saying he's brand new, don't pick on him, don't try to intimidate him. And, I, you know, I didn't do that, but there were umpires that did. And um, and they were, you know, some some umpires umpired by intimidation, and I don't I don't believe that's the right way to go. But uh, so Davey was looking out for his guy, you know, he wasn't asking for any favors, no. Ten LCSs, six World Series, World Baseball Classic, MLB record, forty three seasons umpiring, fifty four sixty games. Joe West with us here on Bustin' Loose Baseball, so. I want to let's just go back to something you just mentioned, the, the intimidation, because because when I say I, I tweet about and I get angry about umpires sometimes, I think that umpiring balls and strikes specifically with pitchers with the velocity and movement they have is the hardest thing to officiate in sports. And I think that umpiring in the big leagues is probably the hardest of any refereeing job in all of sports. There is an admiration. There's a respect for what you guys do, which is why I want to make it easier with technology and electronics, which we can get into in a little bit. But my big frustration is the umpires who seem to act like they're as important as the players and the managers. You mentioned the intimidation. You know, guys that are barking at Bryce Harper years ago, walking down the line to get into a you know a nose-to-nose match at, at third base or whatever it is. I'm just curious, like, what your philosophy always was in terms of how big a part of the night you were. Like, nobody's wearing umpire jerseys in the crowd, but yet you're no. significant to the process. And how you kind of remember that. Because I, I just feel like all too often my annoyance is, I'm there to watch a guy play baseball, and I feel like the umpire is making it about them from time to time. Well, I don't believe in their in the back of their mind they're trying to make it about themselves because their first job is to control the game, and you you can't uh, have the authority over the game if the players don't respect what you're doing. And a lot of a lot of this is earning their respect. I can remember when I first started. I when somebody disagreed with me, I'd I'd argue vehemently because. Uh, I couldn't figure out how they didn't see it the same way I did because that's just human nature. And one day I'm working a game with the Mets, and Dave Kingman walked. I called ball four on him, and he said something smart about a pitch two pitches earlier. <laughs> and I screamed at him all the way to first base because, you know, he, he just walked, and now he wants to say something smart. So I, I chased him all the way to first base. And Doug Harvey, the Hall of Fame umpire, walked down and said, Joe. Don't let them ruin your day. You do your job. Let them do theirs. And if they get out of line, then you get rid of them. He says, but you do your job and everything will be just fine because you're having a better day than they are. 
And if you look at the statistics of what an umpire does, we don't have an umpire in the big leagues that scores less than 95 on his zone evaluation score. We don't have any hitters sitting 400. We don't have any pitchers throwing complete games anymore. So the umpires are doing their job much better than the players are. And you have to realize that this is a game of mistakes. You know, the, the hitter, if a hitter fails seven out of 10 times, he could be a hall of famer. And if a pitcher, uh, can pitch and, and keep the, keep the other team at bay. So their team can score three, four runs. He may pitch a horrible game and still win. The umpire can't come to bat in the fifth inning and hit a grand slam to get to pay up for something, a pitch that he missed in the first inning. So he has no recourse to, to do better. He can only be as good as he can be. And, uh, I think, that's part of this podcast is going to show that the umpires are human beings and they are doing the very best they can. And, and we're lucky that they're as good as they are. Joe, you mentioned incidents where, where guys were chirping you. I, I can imagine that's, you know, every, every hitter ever, no, no pitch that he took as a strike and every pitcher wants, you know, inches off the black or up and down, whatever it is. Did you ever go into a game knowing you were going to run somebody? Just because you, you know, it's it's the fourth game of a four game set, and somebody had been wearing you out all weekend, and you just knew his day was going to be short. Well, no, because you have to look at each game as a, as a new day. I've I've been in games where I knew they were going to throw at each other, where <laughs> 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 the pitchers were going to throw. It. But I I've never gone into a game thinking, well, we're going to kick this guy out. Like, you know, I've never never had a game like that. In in fact, these guys are so competitive, and I don't think the the American public realizes they want to win everything. I don't care if you're playing cards or pool or ping pong or whatever. These guys have the most competitive nature of any athletes in the world. And uh, and part of the frustration that they have, even with umpires, is, is just that. They're trying to do the very best they can. And, and I don't think sometimes they understand that the umpires are too. You know, so uh, they've got... I tell the, I tell young umpires this all the time. I said, you have three responsibilities. Your first responsibility is to the game of baseball. And that doesn't mean the commissioner's office. That means the game of baseball, because without baseball, if we don't take care of it, then we have nothing. Your second responsibility is to your profession. And that might not mean the umpire's union. It means the profession of umpiring as a profession. And your third responsibility is to do what you know in your heart is morally honest and correct. And if you do those three things in that order, nothing you do will be wrong. Now, you might get chastised for it. You might get killed for it. But nothing you have done would be wrong. And and believe me, all these guys have a heart. They are doing the very best they can to get every pitch and every play right. So I, I, I applaud the umpires as, as a profession because uh, they they have the character and the strength to carry on, even in the toughest of situations. Former MLB umpire Joe West with us here on Boston Loose Baseball. So what are your thoughts on instant replay in the game? Well, when instant replay first came out, uh, there were a lot of umpires that were against it. And when we got into negotiating it, because we negotiated it with Rob Manfred, he was still the, the negotiating attorney for baseball. Um, he said, uh, he said, I'll give you two umpires to run replay. And I said, two umpires can't watch. 14 games. I said, Rob, you can't watch one. <laughs> I mean, we're going to watch 14 games and then be the replay fish. And you only give me, give me two guys to do that. That's a good point. Can't yeah. I said, I need eight. He said, I can't give you eight. 
He said, uh, I, I can't afford the pensions for eight new guys. So I said, I need eight. He said, I'll give you four. I said, you'll give me eight or you can do it. Or you, or you can do it yourself. And we got up and Rob said, okay, okay, I'll give you six <laughs> and I'll give you the other two in the next contract. The other two have to come from the minor leagues. And that's, that's how it evolved. And then we'd put two um, uh, no, those umpires. Can, can you be specific just with our listeners? Are, are they the ones that are like sitting in New York monitoring the replays or who, who right. are they? That's right. Okay. They were the um, they, they were real. So umpires. there were six were, real umpires sitting in New York or wherever, and they were watching fourteen games at a time to make sure that if there were reviews, they could hammer them out. They, that's right. But okay. they had, we had two guys that were added, and they were call up umpires, just like a minor league umpire that's called up to take somebody who's somebody's place who's hurt. So we had. We got eight umpires in replay. So we added eight umpires to the staff over the course of two contracts because of replay. And the greatest thing about the replay system was that we had young umpires, old umpires, umpires that had been there normal 15 years or so, learning from the positioning that they're getting to see all these plays. Because when they'd go work their game, all they got was what they did. And now you're going and watching everybody's games. And you'll have a messed up play, and you'd be in the in the replay room, and guys would say, "Come look at this play. Watch this." And they go, "How did he get that right?" Or he'd go, "How did he, how did he miss that?" You know, because there's only really three ways you can miss a play: lack of concentration, lack of positioning, and lack of timing. And I can explain those later, but this is we won't have enough time. But the point is, <laughs> all the umpires learn from it. So it was like a, a learning experience to have replay. It was it was one of the greatest tools that we have. And Do you not think only that, the majority of umpires now prefer it? Because to your point, you said earlier, like you guys want to get every call right. This helps you do that, I would think. Exactly. Once once the umpires realized what this was, they embraced it, and they've done very well with it. And there are very few times that you know that we make a mistake in replay, and there are times that the replay official will make a mistake because he didn't get all the feeds. So uh, and it was really funny because when we first started this, we got the best feeds from the Yankees because they had the most cameras. And when the Yankees realized that it was hurting them, they quit giving us all the feeds. <laughs> <laughs> they, had, they had more cameras than anybody else except for during the playoffs, right? So when the Yes Network would, would get these feeds, They'd send them to the truck, and, and like like I said, they had more feeds than anybody. So we got more of the Yankees' plays right, but half of them went against them. You know what I mean? Amazing. <laughs> Razor but taking, they, like, cell that, phone videos. <laughs> but Yeah, but that's what, the, that's what the problem is, is now we're dependent on the feeds that we get from the broadcast. So if they don't give us a broadcast feed that, that shows the mistake, then we can't change it. Joe, over the years, I spoke with a couple of players, and there were a few broadcasters. You know, just one of those funny things that went from legend to maybe this is a real thing. Because you were the elder statesman, because you were Joe West with this legendary career, and you are going to set the record for games umpired, etc., a lot of guys felt like, no matter what, your calls weren't getting overturned. What do you say to that? Well, that, that's what Johnny Gibbons used to say when he managed the Blue Jays. <laughs> He said, I'm not going to appeal this upstairs. Ain't nobody going to change your call. <laughs> but, and, and I'm sure that probably happened a couple of times. But uh, I miss just as many as the rest of them. I'm not perfect. And I admit I'm not perfect. I mean, I strive to be, but I'm not. You know? 
Cowboy so Joe that, West, that, Country that, Joe that West. Did happen. What do you That's like better, funny. Cowboy or Country? Those are two of your nicknames. Well, I, I like the Cowboy part better because that first album I did was called Blue Cowboy. That's I, I sent uh, I sent that song to Merle Haggard's fiddle player, and Merle Merle sent it back, and they both said, uh, you know, if if Merle cuts this, you can't do anything with it. And he said, you're already a baseball umpire, put it out as a novelty. And since 1985, I I can't count the number of albums I've sold over the internet because they sent it back. So it was a kind of a lesson. Merle Merle was a friend of mine before he passed away. And Jimmy Belkin, his fiddle player, was uh, was a concert violinist, and he couldn't make enough money playing the concert. So he worked, started working for Mel Tillis, and Merle took him away from Mel. So that's how I met Jimmy. <laughs> Joe West, uh, in band and, and musician, singer-songwriter, and, and describes his music as two chords in the truth. It's simple. It tells a story. Uh, joining us here on, on Bustin' Loose Baseball. All right, let's get into electronic strike zones. Good or bad for the game that they now have that box on the screen for me while I'm watching it, so I know every call that is missed. Well, that that box not is not as accurate as the one that they grade the umbars because the umbars are graded on the these uh, electronic beams that show where the pitch is on every every aspect of the pitch, and they get graded on every pitch they call. Yeah. Hey, hey Joe, real quick, yes, you're you're breaking up. I don't know if you moved, said, but your your phone's breaking up real bad. Sorry. Is, it, is this better? Yeah, that's better. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's better. So, yeah, you, you can pick up. But good or bad that, that uh, you know, we're seeing that box on every pitch and we know if it's in the zone or not. Well, I don't know that the box is as accurate as it, as it seems to be because TBS's box is different from Fox's box. and the, it, So they're not coming up the same way. And the umpire is, is calling pitches based on what his score is from his zone evaluation. So the umpire is working as hard as he can to get every pitch right from his zone evaluation. So he he can't depend on that box that's on TV because it's not the same box that he's calling. So there, there's some discrepancy there. Here's, here's another thing. The robotic umpire is not going to be able to call a foul tip. The robotic umpire is not going to be able to call a check swing. And the robotic umpire, they proved misses uh, 7% of their pitches, 7% now. We don't have an umpire in the big leagues. The last year I worked, it was less than 95% accurate. So, so that's interesting the because the umpire auditing that's done publicly, you know, there's accounts, there's sites now with all the technology we have. And, and I'd be willing to, to take your word for it that those boxes aren't 100% gospel. But the technology is pretty damn good at this point. And, and I've sat in the box with, say, like President Baseball Ops Nats, Mike Rizzo. He's got one of those same things he's got up that monitors kind of balls and strikes, pretty similar to what you get on TV. Like this is his, this is what the teams are using, too. So you guys might have something similar. But like Angel Hernandez, just as an example, on the umpire auditing this past week, missed 19 calls in a game, got 85% of them right. Now, you, it yeah, may well. That, that was, I talked to Angel, and yeah. I, got his, I got his zone evaluation score, and his zone evaluation score was 96. It wasn't 85. Okay, so I guess my so question it's a, it's would a be. It's a, it's a different system. Mm-hmm. Which makes so sense. You can't. Yeah, but so, but then let me I mean, ask you this: Then, if he was ninety six percent in that game, then can we look into that? How, how you guys do your scoring? Because I watched the game, and yeah, there were some terrible I, calls. I, I think, I think that's what you should do. I think that's that's what everybody should be striving to be doing the same thing. And I, and I think 
that if we're all on the same pace trying to get every pitch right, that's what we should all be striving to do because your zone evaluation shouldn't be different from the one they're giving the umpires. So I agree with that. I agree with that totally. But my, my problem is, is when this robot robotic machine they put behind the plate, when it doesn't, when it misses a pitch, it doesn't call anything. When an umpire calls a pitch, he calls something. So what do you do when the machine doesn't call anything? Well, there's still going to be an umpire standing there. And in that case, Joe West says ball or strike. Do you do you think there's pressure on an umpire now on a 3-2 pitch to make a call? Or do you think there's more pressure when the machine's going to miss it? And now, out of the blue, you've got to make a call. <laughs> it might, be, it might of, be more pressure you're then. You're yeah, I think so. <laughs> but but my, but the, how how often is that going to happen? I guess would be my, if we get ninety nine percent of them right. And there's a reason we're not doing it yet, right, Joe? Because we're still working out it the still tech. Needs work. And, and it's it, it's not perfect. But humans aren't perfect either, and it's the hardest job to do in yeah. officiating in sports. If it's more accurate, which is when they're going to implement it, then is isn't that the goal to just have the game officiated as accurately as possible? I think when it becomes more accurate, they'll put it in. Yeah, I'm with you on that. But your, your well, point I, is interesting. Like if it misses a call, then what do we do? It doesn't call any. When it doesn't call anything, there's more pressure on the umpire to call something now than there ever was on any pitch he ever had. So that's that's not right. And let's say it tracks the pitch the wrong way. Let's say it takes a knuckleball, which our machine doesn't grade knuckleballs very well either. It grades knuckleballs that bounce and calls them strikes. So what do you what do you do with that one? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that stuff they're they're still trying to iron out. That's what, and they're testing well, it. It's I, been the Atlantic League. It's been the low levels of the minors. There was one that went viral last year that like hit the plate and was called a strike. On softball J- strike. Jordan Pacheco. So yeah, I, I'm not yeah. telling you it's perfect, but when when it gets well, to a point where we're batting 970 or something like that, you know, I, I, that's where I'm pretty interested in seeing what it looks like. But if you take the cumulative scores of the umpires, they're already there. See, that's that's something nobody's printing. Nobody's promoting the umpires for how good they are, because they are that good. I mean, I I know because I, as president of the union, when I was president, that's what I was seeing. We had we had kids that aced it two, three nights in a row when they worked. So I think that's totally that. fair. And, and and as I told you at the beginning, it's why I was kind of excited to talk with you, having never had the opportunity before, because. A, as you said, you guys are human beings, you're people, so I, I like putting a, a voice with the guy that, that I see on the screen. But it's a really, really hard job. It's so hard. Which is why I, I want to help you guys as best as possible. Um, well, and, and we do too. We do too. And you know what? Instant replay has helped umpiring. You know, baseball spent $45 million to put that instant replay in, in the play and to prove that we're 99% right on the bases. <laughs> so... <laughs> I mean, they spend a lot of money to make sure that we're getting every play right. And I, I applaud them for that. I applaud, like I said, your first responsibility is to the game. And what's good for the game, we should all embrace. I have no problem with that. Joe, I think about how the game has evolved, it's kind of your point, since, since you came up. And, you know, it was a lot of... You know, a lot of change in speeds, a lot of mix and pitches, and a lot of, you know, Tom Glavin and, and Greg Maddox and, and guys like that with movement. Now everybody throws so hard. And I wondered how your zone evolved 
as the game kind of evolved, plus as we're talking about kind of with the electronic grading that obviously came into play over the course of your career, it used to be, well, that replay showed it was outside, but Maddox hit his spot, so we just kind of give it to him. Now we kind of know more. I, I kind of wonder how you evolved with the times. Well, I think the, the biggest thing is my, my first, I think I want to say five or six years, they wouldn't let us see a replay of what was going on. We had to ask them for replays of the game. We had to ask them for tapes of the game so we could we could critique our own work. And then we evolved to the point where we had a, uh, when Sandy Alderson took over, he put in a system called the Quest Tech. And everybody was fighting this team to get to where we were getting the pitches right according to Quest Tech. So they were calling more pitches lower than they ever called, and they were calling more pitches higher than they ever called. So people had to adjust accordingly to try to get to what this machine's strike zone was. So you had umpires adjusting, just like the players are adjusting. In the beginning of my career, a guy like Ron Say would say, I can watch two innings and I can tell you what that umpire's going to call every time. And and guys like Steve Garvey would say the same thing. Johnny Bench would say the same thing. I, I know what he's going to call. There was uh, umpires like Lee Wire who had big strike zones. Frank Pulley had a big strike zone. Dutch Renner and Bruce Fleming had small strike zones. And they all had their own strike zone. But then again, we were only working one league. So you saw the same 24 umpires all year. It's not like now where there's 76 umpires. And you don't know what this guy's called, even though they're all striving to call the very same box. And it's, it's like a the box of home plate calling balls and strikes is like a television set. And an old American League umpire, Ted Henry, said, yeah, it's like a TV set. And every now and then you need somebody like Billy Martin to come out and adjust the knobs. <laughs> so, Joe, did that just kind of the evolution of the strikes under that point? I was a very mediocre college player, but one of the things that I always used to say was I could deal with up and down, but I can't make my bat longer. You know, I, I can't I can't reach out further, and if it's going to be called there, then I got no chance. I didn't have a chance anyway because it wasn't that good. But you know what I mean? Like I, I like that evolution of up and down. Do you like that, that, that it's kind of morphed into that? I, I like it that we're all trying to call the same thing, yes. Mm-hmm. I do I do like that. I think that was a good step for baseball. I think it was smart. And I, and I argued all the time with Manfred about using it as a teaching tool and not a grading tool. Because it doesn't matter. We we have the best 76 umpires in the world working these games. And we can't afford to lose anymore because we're not teaching people how to do it. So I think that's uh, that's a good point. That, and I, I applaud that. But uh, there again, this is this is a work in progress. And and baseball is a work in progress from the very from its very beginnings. It's been a work in progress. Did you you guys see the movie Forty Two? Oh, I loved it. Yes, loved it. All right, it was a wonderful story. Was there anything inaccurate in it? I would imagine so. Yeah, as a I'm movie, sure, right? I'd say a couple things. Well, the one big thing that was inaccurate was the number of umpires on the field. Oh, interesting. When Jackie Robinson was playing in the minor leagues, they only had two umpires on the field. When Jackie Robinson came to the big leagues, they only had three. They didn't have four umpires until three, four years after that. Wow. But no one knew that. No one knew that unless you researched who was umpiring his first game. No one knew that unless you looked in the background of the evolution of umpiring. 
When you go to umpire school, they teach you to umpire the two-man system because that's what they always worked in the minor leagues was two-man. That's sharp. They don't teach it. To, they don't teach the three-man system, and that's what they work in Double A. So they don't teach it till you get there. And by the time you get there, if if you're an excellent umpire, you won't be there long enough to learn it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited to check have... out the podcast, Joe. It's it's the 5460 podcast with Joe West, and we're going to be. Uh, we got a couple moments left with him, but it, it's just not that often that we get the opportunity to chat with uh, umpires, officials, and 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 this is your life's work. I mean, you've been doing this for decades, so uh, hopefully these questions, you know, aren't, aren't coming off disrespectful because I'm really interested. I, no, and no, I'm, no, I'm fascinated. No. And, and and the good point is, is is everybody should be talking about this. These are all good points. I mean, you make good points. I make good points. Uh, and 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 again, this is a work in progress. Baseball. Is evolving all the time. It's evolving all the time. Totally. And uh, the uh, it was funny. They're talking about putting the shift. You know, uh, doing away with the shift. Do you know what Rod Carew said he'd hit if they had a shift on him? <laughs> no. He said I'd hit nine hundred. <laughs> and and uh, I believe did, it too. Did you know? You know what Rod Carew's batting average was when he bunted? Uh, so when he bunted, I would say really high. Seven hundred. Yeah, I believe it. Not bad. 700. And they asked him why he didn't bunt all the time. He said, why would I bunt if they're playing in? I I try to hit it by them. Right. Uh, Let me go lightning uh, round, Joe, with a couple things I've always wondered. I'm curious about. Scheduling. How many days on versus off are umpires? What's that like? Well, it was originally designed with the vacations involved. In 1979, they came up with vacations. And uh, so each umpire would get two years off and a few years later, they consolidated the season, and we had a labor dispute. We're in federal court, and so they ended up giving us another week off. So now we've got four weeks off because you have to have all these umpires that work replay and stuff. So they work usually six to seven weeks on, one week off. Six to seven, seven weeks on, one week off. But is that seven days off. a week? Yes. Oh, what a grind. I mean, some of these guys are like 65, 68 years old. That's, I couldn't do that. I'm 33. <laughs> That's crazy. Well, you got to get in shape. <laughs> <laughs> well, you ain't lying. Uh, you haven't seen me, but you ain't lying about that. Just standing on my feet for nine innings is tough. Uh, all right, next one. If you know you miss a call, you going to even it up for me later? Never. Never. You cannot do that. That's cheating the game. If you missed a call, it's it's just part of the game. You can't you can't change it. All right, and then this last one, as far as this rapid fire. So I t- I gave you my first gripe, which is when I perceive that the umpire is kind of making it about themselves. Here's my other one that annoys me. It is, I, there's it, it doesn't seem like there are repercussions for when things aren't good. You mentioned that you guys are better than the players, which I think is true largely. But if a player stinks, they get sent down or they get cut or traded. If I'm bad, I lose my job. If Angel Hernandez goes out and lays an egg every fifth day for a month, nothing happens. Am I wrong well, about that's that? Not, that? That's not true. He, if, if he makes mistakes, they try to correct him. But, but, and, but uh, how often does a guy not, not get to umpire? There's not, there's, not an, there's not an umpire that's been suspended or disciplined more than me. So, <laughs> so you can't. You can't c- compare any any umpire working today to getting more discipline than I got when I was there. And some of it was warranted, and some of it I don't think was warranted, but <laughs> that's the way it is. But if you're, and I don't mean Joe West, but whether it's you or anybody else, if someone's brutal and they're just bad for 
two or three straight games behind the plate is most important to me, but I'm sure you guys would say every base is equally as important as a former crew chief. It seems to me like my point would be there are no repercussions. Like, we'll see him again a couple days from now calling balls and strikes. How often do guys get reprimanded for for not being good? And and your point is, and I think you're 100% right, you guys are the best in the world. Every like every radio host isn't good. I've got terrible shows. Every person that works at Wendy's isn't good. Like, it, the idea that every umpire is great in the big leagues, I don't buy because it, it, there's no job like that in the country where everyone's just good all the time. So is there a ramification no. for being bad? But you have to understand, they had to out-umpire everybody else to get where they are. Now, if they're losing it or failing, then the supervisory staff of Major League Baseball is going to go and talk to them. And they're going to try to figure out what what's wrong. Is there anything wrong? Let's fix it. And that's how they work. And that's that's the way it should be. When you have a hitter that goes 0 for 20, you don't just get rid of you. you work on what he's doing all. That's what you do. You have a pitcher that's having trouble throwing strikes, then he goes and works with the pitching coach. And, and that's how it happens. Because you, you're forgetting that this is a one big family. And are, are, are some members of the family good? Yeah. Some members of the family not so <laughs> some good. Some members of the family is funny. <laughs> so you have to understand that we're, we're all in this together, and we're all trying to do the very best we can. And I think I think once you look at this the way I'm trying to describe it is we're all trying to do the very best we can. And if there's a way I can help you fix something that's wrong, then we'll do it. So, uh, and and again, let's, let's don't point out people that, you know, for individual uh, performances. Let's see how they do for the entire year. Let's see how they do for two months. You want to say one or two games? Okay, there's one or two games. I I remember an all-star ball player playing second base made three errors in the all-star game. Hey, leave Dan Ugly out of this. <laughs> I didn't say his name. See, you're a big name dropper. You know that? Yeah. <laughs> I, I got a thing with Angel. Me and Angel have a thing, that's all. But no, I, I I'll tell you what, Joe. It this has been the most insightful convo in terms because we doubt. all sit and watch. We, we you know we don't necessarily know the structure of of how it all works. But that's why I'm pumped for your podcast. So what are we going to hear when we tune in? Well, we we're going to hear a lot of things. We got uh, we just interviewed Rick Hummel. We interviewed uh, Mark Grace and Kelly Chase, and uh, we've got we've got guys coming on next week. I think we're going to. Uh, not next week. It won't air next week, but we're going to interview Larry Gatlin, uh, the Oak Ridge boys. We're going to do a lot of things. And it's going to be about experiences that they've had at the ballpark and things. And uh, Larry, one of Larry Gatlin's best friends is Johnny Bench. So he'll tell some Johnny Bench stories. <laughs> we might even get Johnny to call in and check on him. So it'll be, it'll be fun. And that's what it's supposed to be. You know, baseball is supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be the kind of thing where you take your kids to the park and they have a good time. So uh, I think I think it's wonderful. I'll I never forget, uh, I used to take these kids to the home plate when I could see them standing next to the, the fence there, and I'd take them to home plate for the meeting with the, with the umpires and the managers. And I was in Seattle, and they were honoring this guy named Bob Stinson. Bob played a long time with Seattle. And so, and I play golf with Bob down here in Florida. And so these these three kids are standing by the fence. I said, you boys want to go to home plate with the umpires for the meeting with the men? They go, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I took them to home plate. And then when the meeting was over, I sent them back to the side, and they took they went off the field. 
So after the game, I'm walking to the car in the parking lot, and Bob Stinson confronts me, and he called me every name you can think of, every dirty name you could think of. I said, what did I do? He said, you took my grandkids to home plate, and my wife made me stay and thank you for taking them to home plate. <laughs> <laughs> so you try to do something nice, and they still hate you, you know? <laughs> Give it a follow, the Joe West 5460 podcast, at Joe West 5460 on Instagram and Twitter. It gets going on May 2nd, early next week. Joe, this was a treat, man. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Good luck. Take care. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.